Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It is the Friday edition of Lockdown Rams. We have had a whole week of AFC East crossovers. If you guys didn't get a chance, go back and listen. We had a lot of great hosts on the network here on the show. Today's show is actually brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't checked it out, go do it. Go to builtbar.com. You get $10 off with the promo code LOCKEDON. It's a protein bar, but it's delicious. It tastes like candy bar. Don't just take my word for it. Go try it out. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. We've got an awesome show for today. We've got Sosa on with us. We're going to be talking Rams. We're going to be looking at the team that we have in front of us and uh, how these guys are going to project in 2020 and maybe where some of the holes are. Uh, so I want to welcome Sosa to the show. How you doing, my man? Good, my man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, always love having these chats with you. Uh, you put up a lot of awesome content on Twitter as you're going through watching some film and writing a bunch of articles. So can't wait to hear your take on some of this. Originally, I thought maybe we could talk after uh, the schedule was released, but then I saw they have a three-hour show. I know you live on the East Coast. It's a little ridiculous. Uh, I thought this would be a one-hour show, but we're going to cover the schedule on Monday. Uh, already seeing some leaks out on Twitter. I've kind of stayed off Twitter a lot today for that reason because – uh, we don't have a lot of live sports. This is the closest we're getting to like live sports. So uh, this is like this and the MJ documentary are like the things that I like wait for when it comes on. So uh, we'll see how that all shakes out, but uh, should be expecting. We know who we're playing. We just figure out when and where. Uh, so that will be exciting later today. And we'll talk about that on Monday show. Uh, but don't forget, go follow us on social media, LA underscore Rambling Bear and Lockdown Rams on Twitter and all accounts, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. You can find the show on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. Uh, but with all that good stuff out of the way, let's just kick right into it. If you look at the Rams, this is the team. 2020 draft is over. Free agency is over. Well, at least for the Rams, they're out of money at this point. So the team you see is the team you get. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. I'm joined by Sosa, and this is your lead story. So Sosa, with all that understanding of where the Rams are at right now, the guys that they have are the guys that they're walking into the 2020 season with. How do you feel as far as where they come from at the end of 2019 to this roster now? Yeah, so I think it's a, a solid roster uh, overall. You know, I, I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen going forward, obviously. Um, not just even personnel-wise. Obviously, there were a lot of changes on the coaching staff and stuff like that. They had a, now formally announced a new offensive coordinator in Kevin O'Connell, a new defensive coordinator who's going to be a coordinator for the first time in Brand Staley, a new special teams coordinator for the first time in almost a decade uh, in John Bonamigo. Um, as well as, you know, some other positional coaches and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen. I think um, offensively they did a great, great job uh, replacing the skill position talent that left uh, over the offseason in Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks. And obviously they were rep replaced by Van Jefferson and Cam Akers. So, you know, I, I'm not worried about nothing offensively as it uh, pertains to the skill positions, that's for sure. Uh, the one worry I do have offensively probably still would be the offensive line. I'm probably a little bit more reserved and cautious uh, as it comes to 
this offensive line more than most people, I'd say. Um, just knowing how Jared Goff plays uh, kind of like with a clean pocket versus how he operates under pressure. I know that he can be a, a very volatile quarterback in that regard. So I think obviously kind of creating the best block that you possibly can for him is of the most importance. Um, as well as the running game, we've seen it fall off last season, which was uh, another crutch for the offense just due to the offensive line's inability to block, as well as some other things like defensive defensive schemes and stuff like that. You know, they were hell-bent on stopping the Rams' run game. I'm a little bit concerned about the OL. Skill positions look great. I'm not concerned about anything else really on the offense. Defense obviously has a lot of unknowns. I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, question marks, not necessarily that they lack talent more so that we just don't really know what to expect i think on all levels really um there's going to be new starters at cornerback nickel uh potentially at safety there's a young young trio there actually inside linebacker as well you might have micah kaiser and Trayvon howard or clay johnson who knows what's gonna happen there a uh, new defensive line new edge rusher so that unit's that, completely new as well as the special teams obviously new as well um particularly that kicker. We don't know who's going to win that job yet. But, you know, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen. I, I think it's fun uh, to go into a season with a lot of change because now we really don't know what to expect as opposed to kind of, you know, uh, going into the season with the exact same stuff as last season. You can kind of project what might happen. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see who's going to win these jobs in training camp and preseason if we get any of that stuff. And and we'll see when we get closer to the season, if there is one, uh, you know, who, who gets a stranglehold on their positions. Yeah, I mean, there's no dull moment here in Los Angeles when you're looking at the Rams team. As you mentioned, there's so many, uh, well, you could say question marks like he did or, you know, just uncertainty at positions. So uh, especially with if Hard Knocks is still on, if this season is still on, it's going to be kind of a fun glimpse inside of these battles, inside how they've handled all this COVID stuff. And you mentioned that with some of these new guys coming in here, especially at the coordinator position, you would like these guys to be able to interact with each other, not only just over Zoom meetings, but in person. Uh, I heard Aaron Cromer talking the other day and he said, look, we haven't gotten to the portion of our schedule where we would be on the field walking through things anyway. So we're already kind of dealing with it pretty well. But how big of an effect do you think that is going to be uh, if this thing kind of continues where they can't get together and maybe there's a shortened uh, you know, training camp into the season that the Rams haven't had a chance to really get all these guys together? Or do you think that you know, with the Rams being tech savvy and kind of ahead of some of these things that they shouldn't be that big of an issue when it comes to that. I think it's fair to expect that it could be a potential issue that lingers. Um, and that's not necessarily just for the Rams. That's uh, goes for any team really with a lot of new starters or a lot of uh, a team that's going to rely on rookies and stuff like that. Um, but especially for the Rams, because they're probably going to have to rely on a lot of players that don't have chemistry with each other. First and first and foremost, uh, as well as the coaching staff who's half built brand new. So um you know, it could definitely be an issue as we move forward, but uh, who, who, who's to say, really? Yeah, and, and that's the one thing you're right. It's, it's kind of across the board in the NFL. Everyone's dealing with it. It's just we've got some extra coaches in here, but I really like the the group that we have as far as getting them in place and hearing Les Snead talk about uh, that they've been doing some of these online meetings for a long time, so that's not going to be an issue for them uh, when it comes to the season in 2020. But I also want to look at coming up, we're going to take a look at some of these position battles. We're going to take a look back on the draft class as well as them contributing right away and what we can expect from them in 2020. More on the other side with Sosa as we look at these Rams this upcoming season. Before we do, don't forget Built Bar. 
It's the best thing you actually can have. After my long opening segment rant, I actually could use a little snack here. I mentioned before the mint chocolate cream was one of my favorites. Well, I'm out of that. So now it's on to peanut butter brownie. Not a bad secondary choice. Again, not dry, not chalky, not a task to finish. This is like a candy bar. This thing is gone quicker than you can really get into the wrapper. But for you guys that actually care about the good ingredients, let me tell you, it's packed with it. Uh, only 110 calories, 4 grams of fat, 5 net carbs, 4 grams of sugar. Uh, if you look across the board at everybody else in this category, they are 5 to 6 to 7 times different on all of that. And then you go to the protein side, and nobody can really compare with what they are putting down on this bar. And again... I'm going to beat you over the head with it. It just tastes really, really good. So you get the best of both worlds. You can tell somebody that you're eating healthy when you rock up with a built Bar. And then you also can enjoy it as a candy bar because it is just that damn good. And because you're a loyal listener of Lockdown Ramps, they are taking care of you. All you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKDOWN, gets you $10 off an 18-pack box. They go for about $37, so you're getting out of the door with about $27 for 18 bars. Guarantee by the time you guys get through that first box, you're going to be coming back to order some more. They're awesome, easy to eat, taste good. You guys get it. BuiltBar.com. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWN to get those $10 off. So we talked a little bit about the draft class that came in. We did a mock draft together. We talked about uh, what our expectations were weeks ago about the Rams. And then they hit us with running back, wide receiver. Tell me a little bit about your instant reaction to that. And then where have you come now as you're looking at this draft class? How do you feel about the overall class from top to bottom? Yeah, so for me, obviously, going running back at at 52 was really strange. Uh, I knew there was a distinct possibility that it could happen. just knowing how much the Rams invested year after year in the running back position since Wes Snead got the job, even with established starters, you know, they've been doing it for years, dating back to uh, Steven Jackson and then Zach Stacy and Daryl Richardson and Trey Mason and then Todd Gurley and then Daryl Henderson. So it felt like every year they were adding a guy that wasn't really necessary to the group. Um, so I was a little not necessarily su- shocked or surprised, but I was a little dumbfounded and confused over that, uh, particularly because I do a lot of work, obviously, on studying the prospects. So to me, I do stack up my own big board as well. That's all Rams related. Um, and so no running back was even close to the top of my list, which just goes to speak about how I valued that position as it pertained to the Rams uh, going into the season. Um, but I mean, that's not a knock on K makers at all because the guy is a great player. Um, and I really, really realized that after I watched all his tape uh, and I did a lot of tape study from his 2019 tape. Um, and I expect him to be a really good player and have a nice, long, solid career. Um, but again, you know, I would have probably went elsewhere with that position, but, um, just think about the overall draft class. I really liked it. I really liked it. I was pleased. Um, outside of that 50 second pick, just more so about the positional value as opposed to the actual player or talent. Um, everything's felt pretty good to me. Um, I love the Terrell Burgess pick. That's probably my favorite pick of the draft uh, in our draft. At least I would say uh, he's a very versatile player. He can play safety. He can play both safety spots. He can play uh, like a dime backer role. He can play in the nickel. Um, and he does all of these things at a high level. 
Um, and I've broken down a lot of his tape on my Twitter and everything like that. So I've got a good grip on, or at least I feel like I've got a good grip on who he is as a player. And the interesting thing about him is that he only has one year's worth of starts and that was last season. So that kind of speaks to just how quickly he developed and how high his ceiling really is when he gets more playing time and experience under his belt. Um, but just talking about everyone else, you know, I really like Van Jefferson. Uh, probably was a little bit rich for me at 57, but I totally understand the move, especially when, you know, the team uh, has two guys in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods that they value very highly. And obviously Van Jefferson is kind of in that same mold. So I absolutely understand what they were doing there. They obviously value the separating uh, part of a receiver's game. And that's exactly who Van Jefferson is. He's a great separator. He's a great route runner. And I think he's a guy who can contribute right out of the gate. So that's interesting. And then Terrell Lewis is interesting as well. You know, I, I probably was a little bit lower on him than most people, but I do see a lot of talent there and I do see a lot of flashes there, uh, but he's going to need to first and foremost, stay healthy because that's been a very big issue for him throughout his career. Uh, as well as uh, he, he kind of just needs to put it all together and, and have more consistency moving forward. But I thought it was a, a very, very good pick at that spot in the draft just because of the positional value. And if you do get a guy who's at least a rotational edge or a potential starter at edge, that would be obviously a home run pick there. And, uh, you know, just throughout the rest of the draft, there's kind of dart throws here and there. I liked uh, the Bryson Hopkins pick at the time. I hadn't watched him, so I didn't really know what he was about. But once I got a chance to watch him as a player, I like it. He's obviously not going to have an impact early, I don't think. Um, but, you know, Gerald Everett is entering the last year of his contract, and it doesn't feel like the Rams are going to be re-signing him. Um, so, you know, Hopkins might fill that role going forward, and he probably will. And that's uh, another really solid pick for a really talented player at a good spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how they're going to use him. Obviously, the first four picks, you can see, uh, I, I don't want to say a clear pathway to playing time, but you kind of can as far as, you know, Lewis coming off the edge and Burgess being able to fit in multiple positions, especially that that nickel corner, as well as much versatility wherever you want to play them. And then the two guys offensively. Uh, and I was kind of like you. I wasn't stoked about a running back right away. But then those uh, two third round picks started to make me feel a little bit better. And as you go back and you watch a bunch of film like you have been doing, you start to see that there is value for a player, but is the value right at the position? I think that's more the debate than the player. Uh, when you've been looking at tape and you've watched a lot of these guys um, what stood out out of, you know, most from these guys and what's something that Rams fans could really get excited about, about any of these players coming into the 2020 season? Uh, yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, I watch a lot of film on some of these guys, some of the guys I haven't gotten to as much. Um, but starting from the top, you know, Cam Akers, uh, he's really, he's a really, really good player. He's really talented. You can see, um, you know, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. You can absolutely see that when you watch him. Uh, he's short, but he's got like a thick build. He's, he's really thick. He's strong. Uh, he, oftentimes, ta tacklers are just bouncing off of him. Arm tackles are no-go. Uh, they're not going to bring him down. Um, you know, he needs to work on his blocking, and he needs to work on his receiving. It's not very natural. That's what I kind of got out of his tape. But, um, man, as a runner, he's really talented. I think he's got a great uh, ability to manipulate and set up defenders and kind of set up holes, which is something I talked about on my Twitter uh, not too long ago. Uh, similar to a guy like Le'Veon Bell. Now he's not going to stop and, you know, have that kind of patience behind the line of scrimmage. That's a very unique thing to Bell. But um, it's similar in a sense, you know, because he, he kind of has the ability to read a play prior to it happening. And that's a very important thing for a running back, kind of setting up his own holes. Uh, and he's a very good creator after, you know, after contact. So that's important for me. Um, you know, Van Jefferson, nothing special. Uh, 
to offer there um, on my analysis. You know, everyone knows he's a great, great, great route runner. Uh, I've seen a lot of interesting and different releases on his film. I think that kind of speaks to just how developed he is as a player, which makes sense. He's 24 years old and his dad is a receiver coach uh, and had a long career as a receiver in the NFL. Um, you know, he, he's maybe a little bit limited going vertically. He's not going to separate a ton in that regard. And I think he probably has to work on his contested catch ability a little bit here and there. But at the end of the day, he is what he is. And that's a separator. He's going to win off the line of scrimmage. He's going to win throughout route, violent route running. He can sink his hips for a really big guy. And that's the kind of guy that we've seen Jared Goff click with very, very well throughout his career and throwing to guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Um, and then Terrell Lewis, like I said earlier, uh, just needs more consistency. He's flashed some really interesting pass rushing trees uh, that I've seen on film. Uh, I, I would like to kind of see maybe a little bit more hand usage, a little bit more counters, stuff like that. Um, and, and just some more, more consistency overall. But to me, Burgess, uh, Terrell Burgess, the other third round pick, I believe 104th uh, overall, he's just a star. I, I think he's going to be a, a legitimate star in the NFL. You see it all over the tape. I mean, he can line up deep. He's got enough range to cover hash to hash or boundary to boundary, really. Uh, when he kicks into the nickel, those might be his most impressive reps. I mean, he's so sticky in man coverage. And when he does get beat, which is, you know, not very often, but every corner gets beat from time to time. He's got the very, very important ability to recover, which is just absolutely crucial. Um, and he always, always tracks the ball in the air. And every time he's he's got a ball going his way, he's turning his head at the last second and fighting for the ball. So that's a really impressive thing to me. Uh, I love his game. I love his game. I think he's got a ton to offer for the defense and just really anything, anywhere you place him, I think he's going to be a good player. And then other guys like Bryson Hopkins, I think he's going to be dangerous threat up the seam. Um, you know, he needs to work on his hands a little bit and maybe his route running a little bit, but you do see a lot of flashes there as well. And he's the kind of a guy I think that reminds me of Jared Cook, kind of does a lot of damage up the seam and up the hash marks and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, there's some late round guys that intrigue me too. Like I just recently got around to watching Clay Johnson. I mean, he's got a ton of closing speed. He, he sees things very well. He's very instinctive. And as soon as he sees something, he's going, he's going, he's turning the rockets yeah. on, he's going. Um you know, and so that's mostly what I've seen. I I've still have yet to watch Jordan Fuller, but I'm excited to watch him as well. Yeah, Clay Johnson, one of the things you love about him is his read and react. You know, you can just tell when he flipped yep. the switch as soon as he sees it. He's not hesitating. He's not slowing just in case something else happens. He is just see and hunt, and that's what's exciting about him. To get him in the seventh round, um, you know, a guy that you know we talked about a couple times here, but Brett Favre, close connection to him, raved about him if he didn't have an injury uh, thought he would be a lot higher in this year's draft. So excited to see him. And we all know him for his energy. You know, he's going to bring that as well. And I love the the talk about Burgess as well as Hopkins, because uh, those two guys at those two positions are pretty interesting because John Johnson and Gerald Everett, both are coming in their last year of a contract and uh, they're nice picks there. One that can contribute to this team, but also two, as you're looking at uh, beyond this season, if John Johnson, you know, has a high price tag or Gerald Everett decides to move on, those are guys that can step into those roles uh, and kind of produce still. So <clears throat> I like those picks for that reason as well. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. I got more to get to. want to talk a little bit about uh, this offense line. As you mentioned, that was one of the areas you thought maybe the Rams could have added some, some value to, uh, as well as taking a look at some of the undrafted rookie free agents and a little bit of take your pick. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Rams on the other side with Sosa. We'll be right back. Stay with us. But first, guys and gals, 
let me enlighten you on the latest read from author Alka Joshi. And with Sunday being Mother's Day, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so let's celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it just happens to be Reese Witherspoon's book club's pick for the month of May. Then, any time in May, post a picture of your mom or you holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author at the Alka Joshi. That's T-H-E-A-L-K-A-J-O-S-H-I, all one word. A donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to Feeding America. So guys and gals, buy the henna artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. So we're back, the Friday edition of Lockdown Rams. Go back and check out some of our earlier shows this week with the AFC East. Uh, coming up next week is the NFC East. We're going to preview some of those games uh, with those hosts, so that's always a bunch of fun. But today we've got Sosa. We're talking Rams. Uh, Sosa, I actually saw a tweet, I think it was maybe earlier today, that you put up uh, talking about your projected offensive line. I want to talk about that because – uh, again, maybe the Rams could have added some value here, but we do have a lot of guys that they now, or we now know, uh, that they truly believe in. How do you see that going, uh, as starters for the Rams coming in and, and who's going to go where in your opinion? Yeah. So I think that's probably one of the position groups that's most up in flux, uh, coming into this season. Uh, I think you could probably pencil in three guys for sure, which is left tackle is going to be Andrew Whitworth. Center is going to be Austin Blythe. And then at right tackle, you're going to have Rob Havenstein. I think those are pretty much rock solid starters there. Yeah. Um, two guard spots that are going to be interesting to see. And, you know, they got a lot of guys that are going to probably do get out for those spots. And um, David at second year players, David Edwards and Bobby Evans. You got a third year player in Joe Nopum who's coming up an ACL tear. Um, I'm sure the Rams are going to let Brian Allen compete as well, third-year player uh, who just got over that COVID-19 stuff, which is good to hear. Um, he's traditionally a center, but, you know, I, I think he probably has some guard versatility there. And then as well as uh, Austin Corbett, I believe he's entering his third year now as well, um, second with the Rams. But I, you know, I'm probably a bit lower on, on guys like uh, Allen and Corbett and Noteboom. I think specifically Noteboom is best at tackle so i i probably don't envision him playing at guard again i would like to see him at tackle though um so for me personally i i tossed up the idea today that maybe the best line projected uh going into the season might actually be david edwards at left guard and bobby evans at right guard whereas most people would probably have it austin corbett at left guard and david edwards at right guard but one thing to remember is um last year when joe Noboom did get injured and went down with an acl tear David Edwards did step in at left guard first uh, prior yeah. to the Rams trading for Austin Corbett and then sliding Edwards to the right guard spot. Um, so I, I think he's probably got the versatility to play at that left guard spot. And and I think you can flip and flop him and Evans. You know, if Evans better on the left side, then you plug him in at left guard and Edwards a right guard or vice versa. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's vital that you get the five most uh, skillful and best players out there. Um and that they get as much time to possibly gel as they can. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I think those three slots that you said are, you know, I don't want to say guarantees, but I think are pretty as pretty much as close as you can get on that offensive line. And I loved watching Bobby Evans and David Edwards last year. And you mentioned it. Uh, both those guys had flexibility at multiple positions. So uh, could be a fun kind of plug and play there and, and see how that goes. And uh, the Rams are high on Austin Corbett. I'm kind of with you. I'm not so sure about it yet. We saw some play near the end of the year kind of tighten up a little bit, but I think that was the line as as a whole. So we'll see, uh, you know, when we finally get these guys on the field or uh, whenever that may be, how they shake it out. But I want to, as we're kind of talking some of these position battles, I want to pitch up a couple other ideas for you. Um, and let's start in, on the offense. We'll stay there. Who do you see as wide receiver three? Does Van Jefferson have a chance to come in and, uh, you know, settle that down in year one? I think he's got a chance. I definitely think he's got a chance, but I do think the Rams are going to give the benefit of the doubt to Josh Reynolds, not necessarily because he's um, a better player or more talented or anything like that, but I think Reynolds probably fits the the mold uh, of the departure. Brandon Cook's the best out of everyone in the wide receiver uh, group, um, meaning you know, I think he's probably the best receiver on the team when it comes to going vertical and stretching the field vertically. Uh, so I do think Josh Reynolds should have a pretty significant role in that regard. Um, but I do think they'll sprinkle Van Jefferson in there as well, uh, you know, with his role probably being best served uh, as a third down short to intermediate chain moving option. If I had to guess, uh, I'd probably say 65 to 35% uh, snaps go to Reynolds and then 35 to Van Jefferson. I'd probably estimate something like that. Yeah, I think I think you're you're spot on to start the season. I'm curious to see what Van Jefferson would do with that 35%. And if somehow that value seems a little bit better, then they might start leaning a little bit more towards the future, uh, which you know you like to think is Van Jefferson. So I think you're right, though. I think right out of the gate, Josh Reynolds is gonna get the crack at it. Um, and this kind of goes to the a lot of these position battles, right? You got some guys that have been around. Uh, this is one that's not being talked about a lot, but I still think of it as a really fun uh, position battle. And it's the backup quarterback spot. Uh, John Wolford finally, at for a time, was the the backup there with Blake Bortles. Uh, you know, coming off that one year deal, a lot of excitement about what we've seen from him in the preseason. But then the Rams go and sign two guys, undrafted rookie free agents, and. Uh, Bryce Perkins and Josh Love, and you start to think, well, man, those guys are are pretty good and pretty fun to watch. So, who do you see backing up Jared Goff next year? Yeah, it's going to be a fun, fun battle for me as well. Um, anyone that follows me knows I have an irrational love for John Wolford. Um, <laughs> I just love guys that can play out of structure. I mean, I, when the play breaks down, I want a guy who's going to be able to scramble and create his own big plays, and uh, that's exactly who Wolford is, and that's what he showed in the preseason last year. Uh, something interesting is last night I was listening to um, a JB Long uh, YouTube video where he interviewed a bunch of the Rand scouts and Les Snead and company. Um, and Les Snead was saying, uh, he was asked by JB something about the backup QB position going into the year. And uh, Les Snead was talking about the position from last year. And he said, when they signed Bortles, um, he was a lock for QB too. So I, you know, it, and even just through their actions, you could tell that they never really had an, any uh, idea to kind of move, remove him from that spot. But uh, they, he started to mention John Wolford and he was talking about how um, he beat out Brandon Allen, a guy that they really liked. And he was talking really highly of Wolford. Um, so to me, that kind of speaks to uh, just how high they really are. And I think had they not had Blake Bortles last year, I think they would have felt fine 
uh, going into the season with a guy like Wolford as QB2. But uh, when you sign a guy like Blake Bortles, you know, especially for the price that, uh, price tag that he came in with the veteran experience that he has, you kind of owe it to him to give him that role. Um, but yeah, so for me, I think it's Wolford. I think he's got the edge, obviously, with a shortened offseason or potentially no offseason here, no training camp, whatever. Um, it's going to be really, really tough for any rookie to pick it up, never mind a quarterback, uh, meaning the offense. Uh, so I think Wolford's got the big advantage there. And I think the, t- the Rams the Rams just tend to lean towards veteran or, you know, guys that are a little bit more experienced as opposed to younger guys that, you know, fans oftentimes want to see. But if I had to rank it, I would probably say uh, Wolford, Josh Love, and then uh, Bryce Perkins. But, you know, it's going to be a really, really fun battle if we do get a preseason. I can't wait to see it. I know. It's for the first time in my life I actually want a preseason for this battle alone because we know Jared Goff isn't going to take one snap regardless of what's going on. So uh, it's for the first time I'm going to feel robbed of a a preseason, which is not like me at all. But uh, it's going to be a fun battle. And hopefully something maybe they'll show a little bit on Hard Knocks. Uh, there's a couple other really good battles uh, going on, and I'll talk to you probably hopefully again down the road about them. I want to really quick, I got a couple last questions before we get out of here. Uh, when you look at the undrafted rookie class, we just talked about two of them that are coming in at the quarterback position, but there's anybody else that jumps out to you as like, this guy's got a good shot to make this roster. Uh, yeah, so like I just mentioned, Josh Love is a guy that really intrigues me. Um, I know he's rated extremely high by PFF, so that was what initially caught my attention. Uh, and then I got my hands on one or two tapes uh not enough to kind of make a very in-depth analysis on him but he's not a guy that's afraid i mean he just plays fearless he pushes the ball deep um any chance he gets he's throwing that ball deep and that's very intriguing to me i think you know if if your quarterback goes down nine times out of ten that team is essentially doomed the season may as well be you know over um which is something that intrigues me about a backup quarterback is someone who's just absolutely fearless. If you're going to go down, you may as well go down swinging instead of trying to win games six to nine or, you know, nine to six or whatever, 10 to nine, whatever. Um, so Josh loves a guy that really intrigues me there. Bryce Perkins, like I mentioned, uh, and like you mentioned as well, it's really fun. I mean, he's really fun. He's got a lot of mobility, something the Rams really haven't had in a quarterback. And I mean, I can't even remember the last time. So that's going to be really fun to see. I don't know what he's exactly capable of. I have yet to deep dive on him, but I'm excited to see that. And then uh, probably my favorite is Aesop Winston Jr., the receiver out of Wazoo. Uh, I did a deep dive on him. I got a lot of my uh, a lot of my tapes on him. You know, he just wins. He just wins. He just yeah. gets open. He's, he's got a really good knack for separating. Um, he's got good hands, and he just makes plays, makes big plays, uh, especially down the field. I've seen someone compare him to Emmanuel Sanders, which was an interesting one to me. So um, he's probably my favorite to make the roster as, the, uh, as an undrafted free agent. Well, the Rams added 20 of them. So uh, with these, the new way the CBA is going, you expect some of these guys to have a chance to make this roster. Uh, and again, I mentioned hard knocks a handful of times, but again, those are going to be fun battles to kind of watch some of these young guys try to carve out a niche as they're trying to make a team. So I want to kind of do a quick take your pick uh, to kind of close out the show. I'm going to toss you kind of a player versus player in either a category of stat and hear what you think is going to happen, kind of future predictions. Uh, and we'll start at the running back position. Uh, more carries. Do you think it's Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson next year? Uh, for me, I think it's pretty easily going to be Cam Akers. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's got, I mean, you don't got get a guy in the second round and not feed him the rock, uh, but I'm curious to see how they u- utilize Henderson uh, moving forward as far as in the mix of what they have in that room. Uh, more targets, Van Jefferson or Josh Reynolds by the end of the year? Oh, that's a good one. 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Josh Reynolds, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Van Jefferson. Yeah, I have this like sneaky feeling that Van Jefferson by like week five or six uh, is gonna find a way to get a lot more playing time. Whether that's a Josh Ren- Reynolds injury, knock on wood, hopefully it's not that, but or something comes up or you know, some drops his way or just not the production they're waiting for out of there. Um, and then the same could go for, let's go catches. We'll turn to catches Gerald Everett or Bryson Hopkins. Mm, that's another good one. I think, uh, Gerald Everett, I, I don't expect to see much of Bryson Hopkins this year personally. And yeah, I'm with you again. I, I I'm just the only reason I, I, it's kind of like a trick question is I'm just really curious with what the Rams are going to do with Gerald Everett. At this point, you feel like they're keeping him around and there'd be no reason not to, uh, you got one more year, uh, with him here in the Rams helmet. But again, I was listening to the same interview you heard with JB Long and Les Snead. And the way he was talking about Gerald Everett when they got to Bryson Hopkins kind of was like, it just didn't seem like he kept kind of putting it on Gerald. If Gerald leaves because he wants to go and it just didn't feel, I wasn't feeling the love from Les. And I just feel like the direction is kind of being shown in that pick. So we'll see what happens when they actually get chances to play. But uh, more sacks next year, Terrell Lewis or Leonard Floyd? Ooh. That's a tough one. Who's the Dante Fowler, wow. right? Who's the guy coming in and, and winning? Wow. Um, I I, I want to say Terrell Lewis because I think he's a better pass rusher probably, but I'm going to go with Leonard Floyd because I think he's going to play a lot more. I think Lewis might have to be in a rotational kind of role with a guy like Obo Garanquo. So I'll just lean with the guy that probably is going to play more. Uh, we'll go interceptions here. Taylor Rapper, John Johnson. Mm, I'll go uh, John Johnson, but I think that's a toss up. It is a toss up. I had Taylor Rapp circled on this one just because I think he's going to be thrown around in a, in a lot of different positions. For, I just feel like he's just one of those guys where he just is around the ball. You saw the same thing when he was at UW. Uh, even if it was off tip passes, he just found a way to end up with the ball in his hands. Uh, that's going to be interesting. And this one kind of, you know, this one's in digs deep into the Rams soul here. Uh, more rush yards by the end of the year. And maybe we can combine these guys, Cam and Henderson or Todd Gurley. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Akers and Hendo, but again, I wouldn't be shocked if it was Gurley. I know I was expecting the, uh, the Falcons to kind of add another running back. And I don't believe that they did off the top of my head. So that probably suggests that Gurley's going to get quite a big workload. Yeah, they, they didn't in the draft. I, I think they did see a quote that said they're still interested in, in kind of bringing on uh, a free agent at some point. But you're right. They really showed that they believe in his health out there. I'm curious to kind of see uh, what he's going to do. And uh, I'm, I'm on the side. I'm definitely on a Todd Gurley side. I want him to tear it up next year and drop like 1,200 yards just to kind of show people he's healthy. Uh, I got his jersey hanging behind me, so I'm a big Todd Gurley fan. Wish him the best of luck. But uh, I think there's going to be kind of a running back by committee with Cam Akers leading the way here in Los Angeles. So uh, those are going to be some interesting ones. And then I guess we'll just go uh, win loss total. I'll put this at an over under over under nine games, right where they finish. Where do you think? You know, what's funny. I'm actually looking at the schedule right now. Uh, they just released it not too long ago. Um, hmm. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say they go, uh, I'm going to say they go over nine games. I think they can go 10 and six. 10 and six. I love it. That's, that's where I'm leaning to. I, I wanted to put it that hard, you know, that nine position. Um, mm-hmm. And give me some breaking news then. If you got the schedule there, uh, who's opening up at SoFi? 
All right. Uh, first game opening up at SoFi is going to be Rams and Dallas Cowboys. I think it's the first Sunday night game of the year. Wow. It, that's one we've talked about for a long time. You looked at the schedule and there was a handful of games, obviously a couple in the division. Uh, you had the Patriots, which probably lost its lackluster once Brady left. Uh, and the Cowboys makes ton of sense. And I'm sure Jerry Jones slipped somebody some money to say, hey, look, I helped you get a team out in Los Angeles. You better open that damn stadium with me. So uh, we'll be breaking right. down the, the schedule on Monday's show, but I figured we'd get a little sneak peek here. Uh, everyone's going to see it by then, but we'll break it down on Monday's show. Sosa, look, look forward to talking to you again. Always appreciate hearing your insight on the Rams and everything you've been putting up. Uh, let everyone know where they can find uh, the content you got, you're creating right now. Yeah, um, so right now I'm basically a street free agent, so you can come find everything I do um, on my Twitter, which is at QBSMVP. Um, and yeah, everything's there basically. Anything that I write, anything that I chop up tape-wise, it's all going to be on there. Um, but yeah, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, we look forward to talking to you next time as this continues to go. Uh, we'll find out more about, obviously we know now when and where, uh, but we'll find out if that's going to actually be real or not. So uh, we appreciate your insight and look forward to having that next conversation. You take it easy, my man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and I can't wait for next time. With that said, Rams Nation, stick with us next week as we've got the NFC East. We're talking crossovers with all the hosts here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. But with that said, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace.